we just divided the meat. And the rice. Yes. Do you feel good with the amount of meat you have? Oh, no, I'll be fine. I mean, if I don't, I mean, I could even eat it off the bone. Oh, good. I wouldn't have to um, put it, um, I mean, I already have um, um, meat that I put in another uh, Tupperware, mm -hmm. but if I want to eat more meat, I don't even have to, um, I don't, I don't think I would even have to uh, put it in a different bowl or anything. You could save that meat and make a sauce out of it too. Yeah, but I might finish it before then. <laughs> I mean, I'd say the meat rather, the bone. The bone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I imagine you could with the meat, but um, I'm dyslexic. You could, so. you could put it in a soup or, any, or something. As we were chopping it up this morning, yep. you were working on the rice and I was concentrated on the meat. Yep. And I saw that there was a carrot mm -hmm. that I'd forgotten to take off the thing. So I bite into it and it had a lot of the drippings from the liquid smoke. Ugh. A little bit too much. Oh, did you put it in the garbage? Yes. I put half of it in the garbage after Ugh. I ate the first part of it. Well, when I find it, I'll know that I throw it away. <laughs> Well, I threw it away. Okay, that's good. Yes. Um. Oh, no, no, no. I uh, Sometimes if I have uh, meat left over on the bone, I just eat it off of the bone and yum num. That's fair. Yum num num num. I think we should definitely do this again. Not next weekend. No. But let's say by the end of October, right? Oh, it's going to be uh, a good time to do it because it's going to be colder. And this time I'm going to make sure that I actually find boneless pork shoulder because I don't want to deal with the bone. It's not the end of the world, but my thought is we get it the day before and prep it mm -hmm. and throw it in the oven first thing at the mor in the morning at a lower heat. Okay. So it absorbs a little bit more of everything and yeah. has a longer cooking time. Just like what we did with the brisket. Yeah. yeah. But also with Kahlua pork, Yeah. I mean, traditionally, I know it's changed now, yeah. it would cook for like a day, right? Uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, you are right because I remember, um, hearing, um, people say that when I was younger that it's, it's usually cooked outside mm -hmm. in an underground oven for a day. Yeah. And we don't have those resources, yeah. but we can get a little bit closer to the taste, even though it was pretty good. And I think it's cooked on newspapers. It might be. I think they line the oven with paper mm. and then they, they cover the pig in there and then they leave it in there for the day. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, and the underground oven, as you know, is called an emu. That's right. That's right. But we could even potentially put it in there at night at like 200 degrees before we go to bed. Uh-huh. And then just let it cook, you know. Oh, yeah. 200 degrees will be fine. Yeah. Um, that's... What is the lowest temperature in for an oven? Is it 200? Yeah. It, with standard, it's 200. I'm sure there's exceptions. But, yeah, you know, you, there's slow cookers. Yeah. That go down even lower than that. Well, slow cookers, their high is usually around 120. Oh, yeah. But um, not slow cooker. Uh, yeah, slow cookers go lower than that. They can go a little bit higher. Uh, but I was kind of conflating them in my head with dehydrators too just now. Is that both uh, crock pots and I guess crock pots are, like, are a slow cooker, but. They're, uh, they're a low temperature crock pot is how I think of them. Like okay. crock pots traditionally you cook at a high heat. Yeah. Um, but it used to be back in the day, it's not so much anymore. They were kind of dangerous. Really? And they could explode. Really? Yes. And with these modern ones, so like the Instapot is yeah. considered in many ways the modern day crock pot. Huh. There are I... safety mechanisms involved now. That's really interesting. I didn't know that because I had a crock pot, um, 
you know, over 20 years ago, I don't know where it is now, but um, you always had to put water, a little bit of water in it yeah. before you cooked anything. Like if you're making a stew, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that crop, crock pots could explode. Now, yes. If you're not paying attention. Yeah. And I was. And again, a lot of that has changed in recent years, but yeah. it's, I have mixed feelings about putting liquid in, let's say, a slow cooker, for example, right? Uh-huh. Because they say to do it, but depending on what you cook, you don't always need to because a lot of things just release liquids as they're cooking. Oh, that's and it's true. such a slow, a low heat, rather, that you're not going to be too, you don't need to worry too much about it catching on fire. Absolutely not. I mean, with pork adobo, it's pretty easy peasy. You don't have to put any water in there. Um, you just you just put all the stuff you need to um, uh, um, in the mixture, and then you you marinate that, and then you put it in there because it's already there's already water in it. I remember once, babes, mm-hmm. I did a chicken in the slow cooker. Yep. And I didn't put any liquid in it, uh-huh. and it was like chicken soup when I took it out. Oh yum! Yeah. Was it good? It was good. Yeah. Uh, but what I should have done, and I didn't even think about this, mm. and I knew better by this point. Yeah. I should have taken the chicken out like a couple hours earlier yep. and drained it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the pork for stew that I get to make pork adobo is really handy. Mm-hmm. Um, easy to marinate. Um, I don't know if they have like... Um, I, I'm I'm sure that they probably have like chunks of chicken you can do that with. Yeah. Yeah. Easy, but uh, yeah. It, I mean, there's so many there's so many ways to go around it. There is. And uh, and that's it, I mean, slow cookers are great. Uh, there's so many ways to go around it. I do like slow cookers. I don't use them all the time. It's more of a winter thing. Yeah. But we're getting too. close to the time of year where I'm gonna pull mine out. I'm gonna need to get some. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna need to get um get some pork adobo made again. Yeah, you have a really small one though. I know, but that's just because I'm the only one living here now. Um. If we were living together, um, then we would probably have to get a bigger one. I thought about giving you mine because I have two. Oh, really? Well, so, yes, because the Instapot has a setting for slow cookers. Yeah. And I just have, like, a dedicated slow cooker. Oh, okay. I don't know if I will, though. Okay. Uh, Just because it is a little bit bigger than yours. It's about double the size. Yeah, I just... I mean, the only reason why I'm a little, I mean, you know my reasoning, but yeah, um, why I feel a little bit hesitant to get more um, cooking stuff is that my apartment kitchen is only so big and yeah. uh, pretty soon I don't, I'm going to feel crowded in my kitchen and I don't want to. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And it'll take us like maybe another two weeks to get the parts for the Cuisinart. But then we're, I know I keep saying that, but I think this time it's for real. Okay. And well, then we're going to be off to the races. Well, I'm going to be excited, uh, you know, once I learn how to use it. And, I mean, we can make, um, we can make uh, you know, mousses and maybe not mousses, but cheesecakes and uh, fillings and stuff like that. Yeah, and coleslaw. But the way that I make it that you've told me that you liked. Yeah. Uh, we could do Ferrero Rocher. Oh, yeah, for, with, the, with the hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, I'm trying to remember, did you say that a food processor can mix uh, cookie doughs? I think you said that right. Here's the deal. Yeah. It can, but it's not my preferred method. 
Okay. Yeah, and it also depends on the type of dough, too. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, honestly, and I'm not saying you have to get this because they're more expensive and they take up a little bit more room, but they do a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, The stand mixer does it really well with cookies. Yeah. That's, that's, how are you able to, I mean, where do you keep your stand mixer? Because your your kitchen feels really crowded to me. <laughs> My kitchen actually is really crowded. And it's also smaller than yours and I have more stuff. Yeah. It's kind of, you know where my sink is? Yeah. To the left of the sink behind the microwave. Wow. Yeah. That big honking thing? Yes. Yeah, because I remember the first time I was in your apartment, it didn't seem as crowded. <laughs> and then uh, the the last couple of times that I was in your apartment, I was like, it, is it just me or does it seem a lot more crowded than it was before? Did something happen to this kitchen? Yeah, something happened to this kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, because you're adding more stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in my uh, former apartment, when I used to live in uh, Queen Anne Hill in mm-hmm. Seattle, oh, it was great. I, I, I loved it. I, I don't remember how big that kitchen was compared to the one here, but it was a I think it was a pretty good size. Yeah. And um I I I uh, it was it was a great apartment anyway. I mean it had a washer and dryer hookup. That was probably my favorite apartment. I, the only thing it didn't have was um it only had a thermostat, a couple of thermostats. I didn't have AC or a heater. As you know, I watch a fair amount of luxury home tours yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. I like them, but in a lot of ways, I prefer the luxury apartment tours. Huh. Yeah. Why is that? Well, when I... So, like, there are a few homes that really stand out to me as this place would be incredible to live at, right? Uh Uh-huh. There's one that I always go back to, the guy Ennis, who I think makes the best types of these videos. Uh Um, He did, like, a year ago on this home that costs $139 million. Wow. And this place was incredible, right? Uh-huh. Couple kitchens that were on point. Wow. I think something like 12 bedrooms. 12, wow. It had this dance area downstairs, wow. a movie theater, gym, and all that stuff. And wow. it looked great. But part of me thought, how many staff members do you need to run this place? A lot. And, <laughs> like, let's say you don't have any kids. Uh-huh. So you're married. Let's say we were got married, right? Mm-hmm. And the same day we get married, I get $10 billion after taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So I buy this mansion. And this mm-hmm. is just like a fantasy. Yeah. Okay, so it's you and me in this big house and a bunch of servants. <laughs> that sounds like a lonely existence. Yeah. But you can get a luxury apartment that maybe it's not 10 or 9 rooms or whatever this place was, but maybe it's four bedrooms. So you're uh-huh. only occupying one or two. Uh-huh. However, if you have relatives visit, they have a, a spot to stay. You have a nice kitchen. Yeah. Really nice kitchen. A, a place for every, you know, if, even if they didn't sleep in the rooms, they could sleep like in the living room or something. Yeah. And maybe you have some outdoor space too, like uh-huh. on the roof. Yeah. Or a big balcony. Uh-huh. And you also have to worry less about security, right? If you yeah. go away. Yeah. That's another thing that I always think of, babes, is when these rich people, because a lot of them own multiple homes. Oh, yeah. 
What's it like when they go out of town? How do they feel secure that nobody's doing anything weird in their house? It's kind of like, uh, you know, it happened in Home Alone because um, the McAllister yeah. family was pretty well off. And yeah. they were able to go to that trip to Paris. And already the two burglars wanted to wanted to steal from their house. They were mm-hmm. just looking at it like, ooh, that's the one I want, you know. Um, but it, I mean, I know it's a weird example, but I no, think I, that's that, actually a really good example. I think about that because as far as movies goes, because remember when Harry and Marv, um, you know, they were looking at houses, and Harry's like, "I want that one. I gotta, I gotta, we gotta go to that one." Yeah, you know, and, the, and you think, well, you know, are there burglars burglars in the neighborhood that want your house? That's a good example. The other one is what is it? Fifth Avenue. It happened on Fifth it happened Avenue, on Fifth Avenue uh-huh. which is a really good movie. But if you remember. The guy has a summer home, yep. and then he has a spot for the winter. Yep. And he comes back to the spot for the winter because of his daughter. Yep. And one of the homeless guys who's living here says, he, the rich dude who owns this place doesn't know this, but when he's here, I go to his other house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, uh, that, that's just crazy to me. Like, why would you, why would you steal somebody's place and just go there? Well, but it's also crazy to me that – like the super rich will spend tens of millions of dollars and sometimes more than that, sometimes in the hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. on a residence. And then they'll just leave it for whoever knows how long. You know, I heard this crazy story years ago and I think it happened in, I don't remember what state it happened in, but this family found out that there was some guy that was living um, was it in their attic or something? I've heard a couple of different it stories. Was like, about it was like crazy. And like, how did you get in there? Oh my god, that would that would freak me out. I was like, why would why would you think that was okay? Because there's a family living downstairs. I I don't know. It, it just it just scares me to think that someone could just come in and make themselves comfortable like uh like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like Jeff Bezos, I think owns something around wow. ten homes. Wow. It might even be more than that. And we're obviously counting condos, too. Mm-hmm. He has a couple of luxury apartments in New yeah. York wow. that I know of. Mm-hmm. Where's his main residence? Because, yes, it's it's cool to be a boss and say that you own 10 places. Yeah. But at some point, I would imagine you have one spot that you spend the majority of your time in. Okay, so this is a dumb question. Go ahead. A regular apartment... The one that you have and the one that I have. Yeah. We have to rent, obviously. Yes. So a luxury apartment, someone can actually buy it. Is that right? Yes, but there's a couple caveats to that. So what's a good example? There's a luxury apartment in New York. There's a few of them, but there's one that's like $135 million. I think I've talked to you about this one before. It's the (laughs) Japanese-inspired one. The one that sways? Yes. And I've always been shocked that they sell it for that much. Uh, They don't fix it. Yeah, and it's one floor. But in that same building, the top floor Mm -hmm. is uh, an apartment for $169 million. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another building in New York. And I think this just came on the market last year where you get a three-floor apartment for $250 million. Wow, really? But the one... 
I mean, listen, this is fantasy talk here, folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That really struck me as cool, even though you kind of have to, like, design parts of it, Mm -hmm. is in the Woolworth building, Mm -hmm. there's a three-level apartment that's that's $40 million, and it's, like, 15,000 square feet. That's on top of the building, right? Yes. And that building is very iconic because it's old, so it has cool architecture. Uh It has a nice kitchen, even though you'd have to do some stuff to it. Mm -hmm. If I had the money, that's the one I'd go for. So you own that place. But you do have to pay taxes taxes on it, mm-hmm. and there are HOA fees. Wow. So, like, yeah, you're paying that money, but you also have to pay to keep the building up a little bit. Is it bit. homeowners? What? Homeowners association fees. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you'll have areas where you own a regular house where you have to pay those fees, too. But that's, again, that's upkeep of the building. And the one thing I've wondered, too, babes, is let's say you're a rich person and you buy a spot in a building. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the first, Mm -hmm. but nobody else buys a spot in the building. So they don't have enough money to maintain it with just one residence and they have to shut down the building. Mm. I would imagine Mm -hmm. that you have homeowners insurance and that they would give you that money back. Mm -hmm. But I don't know the specifics about that. But yeah, there are homeowners fees and you still do have to pay property taxes too. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I always wondered that. Yeah. Because it would be... It would be pretty cool to have a luxury apartment. I'd love to live in the Woolworths building at the top of it. I think that would be so cool. Well. Yeah. I'm sure the view would be amazing. Oh, yeah. You know what the weird thing, babes? That- They've shown the $250 million home mm-hmm. on YouTube channels. I think Ryan Serhand, mm-hmm. who I want to say he had a TV show on one of these networks, the mm-hmm. cable ones. And he kind of reminds me of one of my friends. Uh. But anyways, he ha- also has a YouTube channel. And I think, he, but he's a real estate agent. I believe he's the one selling it. He did a video of it. And most of it is just him talking. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of the space that wasn't seen. Uh-huh. And then Ennis did a video about it. And there was a lot of space that was not shown to the public. Oh, really? And So like they showed... They have this, um, they showed the the first level where they have the kitchen Mm -hmm. and the living room and they showed the staircase Mm -hmm. and they also showed like the top floor where it's kind of like open space. They have an indoor outdoor area so you could have events there Mm -hmm. and they, and Anna showed the, um, the kitchen on the top floor. Mm-hmm. So they have a kitchen in case you want to bring in staff to cook there. Wow. But there was a lot of the apartment that they didn't show. Huh. And whenever I see that, I think, why aren't they showing this? Huh. Yeah. I don't know if that place is going to sell. And a lot of times, too, babes, these places will go on the market uh-huh. for an extreme pr- price, but they won't sell that much. So the Woolworth one just sold like two weeks ago to some internet dude. Mm-hmm. And it originally was on the market for... I think sixty million. Hmm. I saw a video that was made for it when it was at forty million, and this guy bought it for thirty million. Wow! Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Interesting stuff there, J. Wall. Yeah. And you know a mansion that I really liked, and then we can move off of this. Uh, yeah, you told me that many times. Which one? I don't remember now. <laughs> oh no. my god! I it, go ahead. Is that the? That's not the one. That's obviously not the one. Uh, no, no, no. You told me about it, and, and I know it was like, was it like a, it was a Japanese one, right? There's a couple of Japanese ones, but that, that's not the one I was thinking of. I can, I can just tell you. Did you tell me then? 
It's and it was bought by one of the Murdochs. Oh. But it's the uh, Chartwell Estate. Okay, where is that? It's in Bel Air. It's ten acres. Mm-hmm. It's one hundred ninety-five million dollars. At mm-hmm. least that's what they were asking for. Um, the only tour I've seen of it was on Architectural Digest. Mm-hmm. But so the the main house is twenty-five thousand square feet. There's also an outdoor pool and a pool house. Wow! But what this one dude did. The mansion was built in, I think, the 30s. In the mm-hmm. 1980s, mm-hmm. one guy buys the place, and he, then he buys the houses surrounding it, right? Mm-hmm. So they're the guest houses. But the guest houses, up until the 80s, were their own mansions. Wow. So. Is that the one with the forest in it? Yes. That's the one you're telling me about. Yeah. Yes. The one where um, the forest was in it. Yes. Or, or, or outside of it. It, it seemed like a little bit of a forest. I mean, it doesn't have, like animals i don't think but still it had a lot of trees and vegetation yeah yeah that place seemed on point to me but then again you think how many staff members do they have to have to keep yeah, up that i mean place? with i mean with all the guest houses yeah <laughs> but it sounds like a really cool place to have like a retreat of some kind or a party that sounds like an awesome place absolutely and this yeah the, the chartwell estate one of the murdoch zones in, in bel-air yeah wow. Well, by the way, uh, said Murdoch, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, I, ho- I hope you enjoyed that place. You made it off the blood, sweat, and tears of all of us. You helped ruin this country, and now you have uh, the mansion that I would love. <laughs> isn't, isn't there anything you won't take away? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did we discuss... The recent death of Jimmy Buffett. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. Little J-Lo, do you want to take it away? So I was waking up yesterday morning and I heard on the radio that um, Jimmy Buffett died and I heard a clip of Margaritaville, which is one of his biggest hits. And I'm like, oh, that's really sad. I, I didn't even know he was sick. And apparently he had to cancel a bunch of shows because there were some medical things that need to be taken care of, but there was no um, specific, there wasn't any specific uh, thing that was reported on. So there were no specifics. We don't know what kind of illnesses he had, but I'm guessing they were pretty bad if he had to cancel a bunch of shows. And so he, but he died um, surrounded by his family and um, and friends and he wasn't, he didn't die by himself, but still, it's still, sad. Yeah. It's very sad. I never like hearing about an illness. I mean, you know my thing. I want my death to happen so fast that I don't have time to contextualize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so based on that, I think everybody should die that way. Mm-hmm. You know? I think, I mean, personally, and you know you know how I th- feel about this. I personally would rather um, die in my sleep surrounded by people I, I love and care about um, rather than, than being, you know, real you know, hit by a semi-truck or something. I, I don't know. Um, I hear you with that one. Yeah. But I think of the pain he must have been in in his final days, and maybe not, because they have pain meds down pretty well these days. Yeah, they do. And I, we don't know if he had um, time to go into hospice care or not, or if he decided not to do that. Um, don't know. Um, I didn't know that he was married twice. He did write a song about one of his wives. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's a song called Come Monday, which is one of my favorite songs of his. 
and that um, he did a line that was, um, one of his lines was, um, I spent four lonely days in a brown early haze, and I just want you back by my side. <laughs> so it's a great song. I don't know his music that well, but I remember when I was hanging out in Honolulu, I knew some people who were really into his stuff. Mm -hmm. And apparently he did an album. From Hawaii? From Hawaii. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a live recording. Yeah. And I met somebody who was in the audience. Really? Did it. Yeah. Where did they um, do the recording at? I want to say it was at Duke's, which is kind of this legendary venue oh, yeah. in Hawaii. But I could have that wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, Henry Capuano mentioned that place. Yeah, because he does shows there a lot. Yeah. Um, I knew one of the bartenders there, kind of. Not knew him, but I partied with one of the bartenders there one night. I don't know for sure if it was Duke's, but I want to say it was. Mm. It, was it, it might have also be, you know, been another venue, too. But Wow. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of very, very sad people in Hawaii. Yes. You know who else died? It was last week, but we didn't talk about it. Who? Bob Barker. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I watched The Price is Right because um, thanks to my grandma, she loves those shows. <laughs> <laughs> she loves those money shows. The Price is Right. Um, Wheel of Fortune and Pressure Luck. But she also liked Jeopardy too. Nice. <laughs> and we're going to get back to Bob Barker. Pat Sajak announced that he's stepping down from Wheel of Fortune next year. Oh, who's going to take his place? I don't know. Wow. Pat, but you you have another year to watch him. Pat, Pat Sajak has been around for so long and, and Vanna too. I think he's been doing that show since like the 80s. Since I was, uh, since we were babies. Yeah. And people who are younger than us may not know, but back in the day when you would stay home from school, mm -hmm. getting back to Bob Barker, Price is Right would just be on at like 10 or 11 on your CBS affiliate, and you just turn it on because... It was there. Yeah, and you didn't have internet. Yeah, and really. a lot a lot of um, people that would stay home, like, um, oh, my grandma, let's see, um, I think my my grandparents on my dad's side would watch The Price is Right. Mm -hmm. um, my my grandma on my, di my dad's side was mostly into soap operas, but, um, but I think she did watch The Price is Right. It would usually come on before the soaps, I think. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, and and we used to watch Win, Lose, or Draw. I vaguely remember there that. There was one. Win, Lose, or Draw, and then there was also Teen Win, Lose, or Draw that was um, hosted by Mark Price from Family Ties. Mm. Who did he play on Family Ties? He was Skippy. Oh, okay. Uh, Skippy, who was Alex's best friend and the guy that always wanted um, to go out with Mallory. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that I talked to her a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. And you told me that she seems like a nice lady. She does seem like a nice lady. And she liked uh, talking about old films and stuff. Well, so the way I talk to her, it's not like, you know, she calls me on the phone or anything like that. Hey, what's up, bro? She says. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, I think we explained about, we explained. Yeah, she has a clubhouse thing. That's pretty I cool. don't know if she still has it, but she hosts discussions on old movies. But anyways. Yeah. Bob Barker was 99 years old. Wow. And... Do you remember the stuff about the sexual harassment? Not really. Um, no, I, I don't remember that. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me because he did have like good looking girls um, in, on, in the game show. Yeah, I want to say in the early 90s, a couple of models 
sued him and the other producers of The Price is Right for sexual misconduct. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, but there were some funny things that went on in the game show. Yeah, and it's weird because when he retired in, I want to say 2008, he probably would have been like 84 years old. And I thought he was going to die within a month of giving up the gig. Uh -huh. But he lived another 15 years. Wow. I wonder what he did in that time. Maybe he wrote a book. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people that, um, you know, take a break from what they're doing or they retire, sometimes they end up writing, writing like uh, memoirs or... I'd love to read a book about his life. So, um, since we're talking about Bob Barker, mm -hmm. I remember one time, I forgot what show it was, but this girl wanted to meet somebody, like a celebrity, and the one celebrity she picked, and she was a little girl, by the way. Is this somebody you knew? No. Okay. No, no, no. It was on a TV show, and I can't remember which one it was. Gotcha. But she wanted to meet Bob Barker. <laughs> and she was like, I don't know, I'm guessing she was probably between the ages of 10 and 12. I'm like, why would a young girl like you want to meet a really old guy that hosts The Price is Right? Did she get to do it? Yeah. Nice. Well, she did. I, how do I want to phrase this? I knew somebody who I think conned her way into meeting Bob Barker. And the way I phrase it wow. is, I think, is because this person had a way of lying. Oh. So this was one of the girls who went to the CCB who wasn't blind, right? Oh, that one. There was a couple. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those two. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. One day, me, her, and her also sighted roommate are buying groceries. Mm -hmm. And she's telling the story about when she was a teenager. I hope I... Now, the other uh, thing where the story might not be ex exactly accurate is because this happened in 2006. It's a long time ago. Yeah, so I may not re be remembering the details right, but if memory serves correct... Mm -hmm. When she was in high school, she wrote a letter to the producers of The Price is Right saying that she had this disease and she was going to die soon and she'd really love to see the show. Wow. So they hooked her up with tickets. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And I think she said that she got to meet Bob Barker after the show. But again, wow. don't quote me on that. Yeah, she could be lying about that one too. Yeah, I often wondered what happened to those girls. So... Didn't you say that one of them um, was some someone, like, she had a counselor and they suggested that she go to the center because she could go blind or something? Yeah, so not the girl who allegedly met Bob Barker, but her roommate mm -hmm. was from Colorado mm -hmm. and she had diabetes. Mm -hmm. But it was, like, the early stages of it. Yeah. And her family owned, I think she said, 15 restaurants in the Colorado area. So they were doing okay. Mm -hmm. And our counselor said, you might go blind one day. So you should consider coming here to get training. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy that those two became roommates. They came literally on like the same day and left the same day. Uh, yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, you, you, doesn't that make you wonder, hmm, I think, do you like, do you ever wonder, like, do they really know um, each other um, a lot more than you think that they did? The thought has crossed my mind. Uh, the other one was the Bob Barker girl, mm -hmm. the one who I asked out and said no. Yeah. She was from Philadelphia. Okay. But, you know, people could always meet each other online and all that stuff. So I don't know the answer to that. And it's crazy. Like, everybody knew that they were sighted. Yeah. Like, it was just like an open secret. 
And that's not the reason they got kicked out of the center. Yeah, but didn't you say that you guys had a circle and they admitted it? Here's what happened. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, but then didn't people know before then? Okay, I'm going to break down to you what I know. All right. They come to the center, and like a week later, we go to state convention, NFB stuff, mm-hmm. right? In, I want to say that year was in Colorado Springs, okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, because people were looking for things to do, let's have a trust circle Mm -hmm. where we sit down and we tell intimate stories from our lives. Mm -hmm. Bob Barker girl is there and everybody's going around saying things. I do my spiel. Other people Mm -hmm. share their things. Gets to her and she says, well, I'm not really blind. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I drove here to the CCB from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I believe it was Philadelphia. Anyways. Mm -hmm. Now, in a trust circle, what happens in a trust circle is supposed to just stay there. Yeah. So, like, if I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. I'm not even supposed to talk. And we were both in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not even supposed to tell you what I heard in the trust circle, even if you were there and you heard it too. Right? right, right. So, why am I telling you this now? Yeah. Okay. So, like, that's really interesting. And we go about our day, and, or night rather. Mm-hmm. We come back. From Colorado Springs, and I have a good vision for a blind guy. I'm considered a high partial. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like a couple of days later, we're at a restaurant and I'm filling up a drink. And me and a buddy of mine had just had a talk about, oh, you see really well for somebody who's blind and at the center. And I say, yeah, I go to fill my drink and he comes behind me and he's like, actually, there's somebody who sees better than you. It's so-and-so. She's completely sighted. And he wasn't in the trust circle. So mm-hmm. I say, uh, I don't, really? And mm-hmm. I pretend like he, <laughs> like he didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. It's like, yes, he was telling everybody the other day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, but this is how I found out. Mm-hmm. Now, the other girl, I forget how it came out, but it it was one of those things, again, where everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. And that the reason they got kicked out was because they just stopped attending classes. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the lady from Philadelphia didn't want to date yours truly, so... Uh, did did they look alike? You said they looked no, alike, too. No, they did not look alike. They didn't look alike. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. I hope... Uh, well, it's probably a good whatever thing... Whatever they're doing. Well, Buzz, it's probably a good thing she didn't date you because can you imagine what, what other lies would have come out of her mouth? Yeah, but we wouldn't have dated that long. It would have been for maybe a month. And well, then how, she... Go ahead. Well, how long were they there for? Were they even there for a month? Something like a month. Oh. I mean, I you know, I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but that feels about right. A month did, to six weeks. Did you ever see their cars? No. That's really strange that they, they, they got there on the same day and they left on the same day. I know, and they were both faking being blind. And Isn't that... And they both what? came for. They both had like fairly well-to-do parents. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't believe in coincidences, <laughs> but that is very strange to me. It is very strange. <laughs> so, now you've never met these women. I haven't. I'm assuming in your mind you're thinking that they kind of planned this out. That's what it sounds like to me. Like, like you can't make this stuff up, right? Yeah. And it almost sounds like a movie, like a, a really bad Lifetime movie waiting to happen. Without let's. Explore this. Yeah. And I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just playing devil's advocate because I don't know. 
Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I've met them, but you could say I don't really know them because if they're lying mm-hmm. about such big things. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't, I wasn't around them for that long. Right. Mm-hmm. Did I really know them or did I just hang out around them? Uh-huh. By the way, I thought of another interesting part to this story, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay. So... What do you think would inspire two people to want to go to a blindness training center as students mm-hmm. if they're both sighted? Well, you know what? It's interesting that you say that because I've heard about, you know, sisters or or, or two friends that have scammed people too, like, yeah. really quickly. I was uh, watching, I think it might have been 48 uh. hours, and there were these two sisters that were scamming a church in Galena, Kansas. And they scammed the pastor. They scammed um, the congregation. Um, one of them pretended to be like a young a young boy, but they were actually sisters. And I think one of them had a son. And they, I think one of the one of the girls, uh, dressed up like a boy and said that her name, um, his name was Chris. Mm-hmm. But they apparently they've been doing this from, you know, they, they haven't just done this to the people of Galena, Kansas, but they've done it to other people, too. Mm. So I think it's totally possible they could have planned it out. Now, yeah. now I don't know. I mean, I know I've been hearing stories about best friends being from different states. And yeah. They meet up, right? Like, I think it's totally plausible that they could have been planning it, though. Yeah, I I never even really thought about it, even though I've heard people mention it over the years. Yeah. But I'm just curious, what do you think the motivation would be for something like that? And I'm not, and again, I'm um, not saying you're wrong. I think maybe they just wanted people, <clears throat> excuse me, to um, think that they were less fortunate and they would, um, you know, they would feel pity for them. And because they would feel pity for them, they would give them all this equipment, for example, like yeah, laptops or desktops or, um, or just attention. Or just attention, right? You might be right with that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's totally plausible. It really is. Yeah. Like my friend who lived in Eugene. Yeah. If I remember right, years ago brought up that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's plausible. It's it, it's not outside the realm of possibilities. For yeah, sure. because I've heard more than one story about like there was this one crazy story, Bubs. I think this happened in Washington State. Yeah. This lady, I can say her name because her name was um, in the news. Okay. But her name was um, Treva Thornberry, and she um, she decided to pose as a high school student, and she used the name uh, Brianna Stewart. Mm-hmm. In fact, she started a relationship with a young man in in that high school. I forgot what high school it was. Wow. And. It was found out that she was not in high school. She was actually um, much older. And I forgot how old she was. But people were asking. I think it was the interview was asking her um, about Treva Throneberry. And she's like, I don't know who that is. And she would just deny that she was, that that was her. That's crazy stuff. It was, yeah, crazy stuff. I don't know about this lady. Treva Thornberry, but I'll take Thorn- your word for it. Yeah, Treva Thornberry. It sounds like she sounds like a lady that lives like deep in the south. Um, but but she she did. She posed as a high school student. I guess she looked young enough. Yeah. But, but even if I did look like I could be in high school, for example, there would be no reason for me to pose as one. I don't want to go back to high school. No. 
I, I want, I, you know, I like my life now. I don't have to get attention, especially don't want attention from, you know, young 16 year old. That's kind of creepy, actually. I think going to high school now yeah. would actually kind of suck. I would agree. I mean, it wasn't like the kind of high school we went to when we were kids. Exactly. Things have changed so much in our society. Yeah. I, I don't even know. And I want to tell you another fact about these ladies. So I don't want to get too far off this. But yeah. how do high school students navigate dating? How so? Well, okay. It's the world past me too, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody, like the word on the street is, is that every high school student is very super sensitive about language. Mm -hmm. But then you also hear that sex comes up a lot, whether it's teachers or the internet or what have you. Uh -huh. So how does dating work in high school these days? I know how it worked back in our day. Um, I think uh. there's more hooking up now, okay. as, as you probably um, would imagine. Mm. Um. I you know, now now a lot of um, kids are going online and finding dates online, whether or not they're the kind of person that they are or yeah. not. It's really scary, I think, because especially for the younger girls where they're having a conversation with some guy who she thinks is 17 or 16. Turns out it's like a 45-year-old pedophile. Oh, that's creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I think. And it's even scarier. I mean, when we were... When we were growing up, a guy would pass a girl and if they were in class together and she, he was attracted to her, he would write a note and pass it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like you heard a little bit about internet dating when we were in high school, but it was still very a new thing. And even though I've heard that young people in their 20s were doing it, yeah, um, I didn't hear a lot about people doing it as much in their teens but even then i thought that internet dating was so dangerous exactly i thought that internet dating was so dangerous and i just never got into it and i'm thankful i never did because uh i uh, i guess i'm old-fashioned that way i'd rather meet someone in person really the 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 on the um the chat line dates i've been on you know that that was different too but i mean it wasn't like online dating where you never saw the person really if they sent you a picture you wouldn't know for sure. I mean, back then you wouldn't know for sure that they were who they said they were. But now it's so easy for people to catfish. Did you ever get into the comedian Sarah Tiana? Uh, no. She uh -uh. had this crazy story. And I want to say she talked about it on the Skeptic Tank podcast. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, she uh, when it was going down, she mentioned it on the Ice House Chronicles. This had to be like 10 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm I met this guy. I think he's the love of my life. And then like six months later, she does the interview with Ari Shafir where she breaks down what happened. Oh. If I remember the story right and double check this, mm -hmm. she's a comedian and she does a lot of shows for the troops, all that stuff. Yeah. And she gets home, gets a message from this guy who says that he's in the military mm -hmm. and he's a high-ranking officer, a mid-level ranking officer, and mm -hmm. that he really liked her show. She starts writing him back, and they start doing Skype calls together, right? Mm -hmm. I want to say she's living in California, and he says he's somewhere in, like, Iraq or something. Mm -hmm. So he starts telling her the story about how, you know, he comes from a good family. Mm -hmm. He has an eight-year-old daughter, but he's on good terms with the mom. And how long have they been doing this for? 
I think if I remember, they were doing this back and forth for like six months. Wow. And they're, but they're talking like every single night. Okay. Okay. For several hours. Okay. And, uh, you know, he has all these plans once they get out. Yeah. But some details, and again, you should listen to the interview because I'm not going to remember everything. <clears throat> yeah. Are just start, starting to not add up to her. But so because she's done a lot of work in the military, she reaches out to people that she knows. And if I remember correctly, she finds out that, yes, he is in the army, but he's stationed in, like, Texas. And he has been demoted, like, a number of times and almost kicked out of the army. Mm -hmm. And they were, like, full-on engaged by this point. Wow. Um, It was – I wish I remembered the story in more detail, but it was a crazy Wow. That almost reminds me of – remember that story with um, Anne Hathaway and her – her ex-boyfriend, I think. No. Like, he was involved in some kind of a scheme or whatever. I forgot what it was. Mm. And they were living together at the time and it was just a mess. Oh, that's too bad. She seems like a nice lady in interviews. Yeah, she seems like a nice lady, but but I think she has since um broke up with him and gotten married. But um but I remember when that happened and, and it just broke broke her heart because they I think they might have been close to getting married, but I forgot what his name was. Raphael something something. I forgot what it was. Yeah. You never want to hear about somebody being scammed by their partner. No. I I mean, I've heard stories about women who thought that they got married to their husbands. And then they they found out that their wedding wasn't even. um, um, Their wedding wasn't even. uh, It wasn't really a true wedding. Because I knew somebody like that. I went to a fake wedding like that. Yeah, they weren't even married. She, yeah. he was she was married to somebody else. I, I'm not talking about your your ex-roommate, but I've heard stories about that, like horror stories. I went to a wedding. This person was the one of the people in the couple was told that the other one was married before, but that person's partner was dead. Mm-hmm. And it turned out later that that person was lying and it came out when this person went to jail. Wow. Yeah. And he, and he told me it was a woman in the relationship, right? Yeah. Wow. She Didn't she say she was the same one that lied and said she was a princess? She said she got involved in this telemarketing scam uh-huh. where she would call people and tell them that she was a princess. Wow. And that if you, I don't know all the details, but if you contributed money to her, you'd make all this money back. And she ended up going to prison. Mm-hmm. And I think she was sentenced to something like five years federally because it was a crime uh with the telephone Mm -hmm. and you calling out of state yeah so so you got five years in in federal prison for it wow yeah um i've heard stories about (laughs) this was a crazy story too and it really makes me angry Mm -hmm. because she was married this this girl was married i saw this um this story a long time ago in 2020 and i think this might have been before i got sick I can't remember, but she, um, she got married and she was telling people that she had cancer, but it turns out she didn't have cancer. And I think it cost her a marriage and I forgot what else, but she, she lost a lot because she lied to people about being sick. Did we talk about that lady babes in Britain? I want to say this is like 2013. Mm-hmm. I just heard about the scam like a couple months ago. And with everything I say, double check it if you can. Mm-hmm. 
she comes out and says, you know, I have a, a son, he's really young, and I find out that I'm dying of ovarian cancer in like a couple months. And okay, uh. she keeps living and she, you know, gets like this social media following and says, I think it's because of my diet. I still have the cancer and could go at any time. But because I'm eating the right vegetables and taking yoga classes, I'm not dying from this cancer. I'm living with it. But again, it could kill me at any time. Mm-hmm. Keeps doing this. Eventually, Apple reaches out to her to have her as a consultant on this health app that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, meanwhile, there's this other lady in Britain who actually does have cancer. Yeah. But a little bit of a similar story in the sense that she's lived longer than people thought mm-hmm. because of her diet and whatnot. And they only meet once at a gathering mm-hmm. for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. The lady who actually had cancer died in like 2015. Oh, wow. The fraud mm-hmm. goes to the wedding of this lady who she's only met once, yeah. cries mm-hmm. hysterically, and keeps going up to members of the family and cornering them and crying about this whole thing. So About why she, about her dying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Even though they only met once. Yeah. Right? And she's posting things on social media about this. Eventually, people start to look into her records and discover that she never had cancer. Wow. And and by the way, this lady was, I think, in her 20s when she started the scam. Wow. I just, yeah. That makes me so mad. I, Absolutely. I, I feel compassion for those who have either been diagnosed with cancer or are in remission. Um, and they've been through cancer, and mm-hmm. I just cannot lie to somebody and say I need such and such because I have cancer because I I I went through it and yeah I don't wish it on my worst enemy I that's a horrible thing to go through I would wish it on my worst enemy but nobody else okay well you you haven't been through it it's not fun yeah but that's why you wish it on your worst enemy I never I don't wish it on my worst enemy I wouldn't want anyone to get it okay. Puff. What? Uh, yeah, but if it's your worst enemy. Puff. All right, all right. Okay, let's move on. Oh, oh, from- oh, let me tell you the other thing about those girls at the oh. CCB. Oh, okay. When we were in Colorado Springs for state's convention, mm-hmm. they were roommates with this other girl who were to- who was totally blind. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know that they were faking their blindness. And really? Yeah. She was like the only one, I guess. Uh-huh. Because I was talking to her later mm-hmm. and I mentioned, oh, yeah, they weren't really blind. Mm-hmm. She didn't say this, but the ep- implication I got was that she just, you know, because girls you know, in front of girls do different things, mm-hmm. is that she changed in front of them and felt awkward that maybe they saw her naked. Really? Yeah. Again, I don't know this for sure, but that's the implication I got from my so, discussion. Because she didn't them. know that they, okay. Yeah, because they were pretending that they couldn't see or that they were losing their vision. But she felt awkward still. Yes. Wow. Well, 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 first off, I wouldn't be changing it for my roommate to begin with. Yeah, especially if it's somebody you just met. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be doing that. That's just that's just not smart. I've know? heard that girls do stuff like that in front of other girls. I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I mean, it's one thing if you're in like... You know, it's one thing if you're in a public restroom and there's an open shower. Yeah. I mean, when I was in when I was in school, when I was at the blind school, we had to take um, showers after PE class. Yeah. 
And it is. It's right. kind of, you know, it's kind of awkward. There are some girls that can't see, and there were some girls that could see a little bit, but it wasn't a whole lot, right? But even so, I mean, um, you know, the the assistant coach, the the female assistant coach, could see, and that was still awkward. I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that. It just, it it just feels really awkward to me. That's, I can understand that if people are, um, if if young women are naked in an open shower that that makes sense but if yeah. like i'm in a roommate situation i i wouldn't change in front of my roommate so a <laughs> little bit of reference mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever just like casually changed and been naked around my male friends yeah right but i've heard that girls are different with that type of thing uh, I don't think every girl is like that. Okay. I, I'm not like that. I, I like to keep things private and now, I don't, I mean. I've been in situations and I'm not saying this is a norm. Yeah. Where it's been me in the room with a few different women and a girl will casually just change her clothes. Uh-huh. But it's not like she's hitting on to me and it's not like this is it's somebody. It's not like you're watching or anything. Yeah. It's, and it's not like this is somebody I'm seeing. She'll just casually change. Yeah. But again, that's that's way in Rick's past. Well, there was one time, um, I think I was like 11 years old, and I was in a summer school situation, and it was me and my friend, and, and we had to change our shirts in the room. And, and both of us couldn't see each other, by the way. Yeah. And um, I think my teacher's like, are you guys sure you want to, you know, because I would not have done that if he was able to see me, obviously. Mm. But we just did that really quickly, and it was just our shirts, and um, I just it was kind of weird, but oh. but it wasn't like you know we we didn't talk about it afterwards, and nice. nobody saw anything. Nice. So nice. Um, so <laughs> somebody asked a funny question, like if you were a room, could you be naked in front uh. of a, a room full of blind people? And <laughs> um, yeah, but some blind people could actually see some. And even if you you put the caveat, they all have to be completely blind. Yeah, it's still kind of weird. It is weird. It's weird. It's weird because you take off your clothes in front of anyone, you're vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And you're not even just vulnerable if somebody could come up and like yank on it. Uh huh. You're vulnerable. You could run into something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you could run into something hot. And, right. You know, and 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 there's some sensitive areas, you know. But I also do have friends who like being naked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> which I always find strange. I I know. So so here here's a quick story, and we should move on because there's a lot of things we can talk about. Yeah. I knew this guy. He was he was the one guy I told you about that um, had a thing for me at one time, mm-hmm. and he admitted to me that when he's alone in wherever he's living, he likes to walk around naked, and I'm thinking. Okay, look, I understand you're a guy, you like to let it hang out, but number one, somebody could show up at your house at any time Yeah. and knock on your door and see if you're there. Number two, if you don't, you know, if you're not careful, someone could look through your window um, and you could, like, if you're cooking something, you don't want to be naked when you're cooking something on the stove or no. in the oven. You don't want your skin exposed. Um, so that's really, you know, I don't get why people do that. I don't. He said it feels liberate, liberating to him, um, and I thought it was very, very weird and creepy. And I just wouldn't do something like that. And that's probably why he wanted to take me to see the vagina monologues. I don't. There's know. oh that dude. Yeah, that one. There's been situations with ex girlfriends where I've walked around naked 
in either their place or my apartment. Not mm-hmm. the one I have now, but before then, uh-huh. in the old days. Uh-huh. But if we're talking about just Rick being at home by himself, I don't think I've ever just walked around naked. Yeah. And um, th- this is going to sound like an odd question. Mm-hmm. Especially, maybe this will make me sound out of t- touch and not mm-hmm. cool, but mm-hmm. I imagine cleanup is a lot more intense <laughs> if you're walking around <laughs> naked all the time. Because yeah. your ass is out <laughs> constantly. Well, people don't even think about, like, the sanitation, right? Yeah. Like, I would imagine it would be so insanitary in a nudist colony. Yes. Because, I mean, your 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 stuff isn't covered up. What if you got poop on your, you know, in your butt? Yeah, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, no you didn't. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You yeah. can clean up very well and people can see it. And nobody wants to look at an old guy or old girl and they're all wrinkly and shriveled up. Uh, but then nobody wants to look at a young person that isn't taking care of themselves either. And I ain't hating. Yeah. You do you. But I'm just saying it ain't for me. I know. I, 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 yeah, I think it's gross. But, yeah. And and also, not only could you get hurt if you're walking around like that, but if it's in the wintertime, you probably should be covering yourself up because it's cold. Like, I know people in Colorado who like to walk around naked. I don't understand that. And the weird thing is, most of these people, if you say, oh, that's not really for me, they kind of get a little bit offended by it, it seems like. Like, how you you don't understand how I could like to do this? Not everybody. Yeah, I just uh, I just think that, I don't know, it's just gross to me. I just think it's really gross. Yeah. If, if it's a husband and wife who want to, you know, do that by themselves in their house and they know how to clean stuff up, that's one thing, but... By yourself? Yeah. It's, if you're going to have a wild weekend, I get it. But if it's just you at home, I don't. Yeah. Yes. Someone could easily walk in. Like, if there's a rapist in the neighborhood, easy access. Yes, exactly. Easy access. Nothing to the imagination. But again, you don't even have to go there. You could just go to the sanitary thing. Or mm-hmm. bumping into something with your clothes on sucks. But bumping into something with your clothes off sucks even more. Exactly. Especially if you hit a sensitive area. Right there. Ouchie. Yes. Oh, can you imagine just taking a knife and wanting to cut something and then you accidentally cut something else? Yes. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Last weekend, we watched Peter Falk play a father. A crazy father and a crazy husband. And a husband. Yeah. In a movie called A Woman Under the Influence. Yeah. And... This week we watched the Columbo, I guess, TV movie, technically. Yeah. Troubled Waters, which came out three and a half months later. And I said that yesterday because I thought it would be interesting for you to note contrasting the two performances. Yeah. What did you think? No, this is your first episode of Columbo that you uh, watched. Yeah. First of all, do you want to give the plot or do you want me to? Um, you give the the plot. Um, you've seen it more than I have, so why don't you give the plot and we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. So starts off, people are getting on this cruise. There's this man named Danzinger who is married to a rich woman and also owns a couple of used cars dealerships. Yep. And he's been on this cruise before. Everybody there who runs the ship knows him. Mm-hmm. Columbo's wife 
wins tickets in a raffle. And no, he's we, never been on a boat before. And we don't see her. Right. He's <laughs> looking for his wife at the beginning of the episode. Runs into dancing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, there's a band. And Dan Zinger has been sleeping with the lead singer. What's her name? Rosanna? Rosanna Wells. She's um she's uh, um the the sing the, the band's singer. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Lloyd, who plays in the band, had like a one night stand with her, but he wanted more out of the relationship. And she said, Leave me alone. Publicly. Yep. Yeah. Leave me alone, Buster. It was it was fine. It you know, when it happened, but you know, it was really fun, but I'm done now. And he's wondering, why are you calling me Buster? My name's Lloyd. <laughs> she didn't call him Buster. I thought you said, he, she said, leave me alone. Buster. No, that was my own paraphrasing. Okay, I love you there, J-Lo Buster. Anyways. <laughs> Danzinger has to go to the hospital on the first day because it looks like he may have had a mild heart attack. And he almost fell into the water. Exactly. I think he did. He fell into the water, but somebody was um, there to help him. help him. Yeah. Yeah. So they say, okay, maybe you should stay here overnight. He does that. And he sneaks off, kills Rosanna, goes back to the medical quarters. They go and get, meaning the crew, mm -hmm. they get Peter Falk, a.k.a. Frank Colombo. And at first he's worried that maybe his wife partied a little bit too much. <laughs> it's about my wife. She likes to have a good time. But she gets carried away sometimes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a running joke where he talks about his wife, but you never see her. <laughs> By the way, if I remember correctly, you don't actually see, and now I haven't seen every episode of Columbo. Right. You don't actually see her on Columbo, but there was a spinoff series in the late 70s called Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> and that's one of the running jokes of that show is that you don't see him. <laughs> that's pretty clever, actually. Yeah. Anyways. What does she do, though? Um, I, I haven't seen this. I've read about it on Wikipedia. She's a newspaper woman. Have you seen my husband? Yeah. She's named Kate Columbo. Kate okay. Columbo. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. He goes, looks at the room, is feeling kind of sick, goes mm -hmm. to the medical care area, okay. picks up a feather, yep. and just looks at it, puts it in his pocket, yeah. goes into Mr. Danzinger's room, then leaves, talks to the rest of the crew, mm -hmm. and the next day, as Danzinger is getting to leave the room, Frank goes back to see him to apologize and... You know, they talk about the murder a little bit, and Columbo says, be discreet about this. We don't want to freak out the other passengers, and <laughs> can I call on you to help me at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody thinks that Lloyd did it. There's not only the blow-up, there's a receipt for the gun, um, and, you know, all that stuff, and they find the gun. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. But Frank has his, his doubts. Yep. And he has these interactions with Danzinger, which I think is some of the best stuff in the episode. Yeah, it's great. When they're talking to each other. <laughs> There's one point where they're talking and Columbo's like, you know, I was thinking about this theory. And my brother-in-law is a used car dealership. <laughs> and there's a tool where you can make keys to different things. And I thought, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> right. It's really funny. Right. But the way that he said it was like, you wouldn't even think it had to do with the investigation. Yeah. But he was, he, you know, the thing I liked about Frank Colombo is that he was so clever. Like he, he almost seemed like he's, he seemed to me like he was like your, your, your friend next door, right? Yeah. You could talk to him about anything and you wouldn't even know he was a detective until, until he told you. 
Yeah, that's the great thing about this show is he's a super intelligent guy who is understated in a way, right? <laughs> because he just comes off as this nebbishy guy who's just sort of bumbling his way through life. But he actually knows what he's doing. He does. <laughs> but he uses that to his advantage, yeah. the bumbling thing. I love it. I think it's clever. And at the end, <laughs> I know we're skipping past a few that's things, okay. but that's you okay. get it. Yeah. Where he calls Danzinger up to the uh, deck of the ship, the top area with the cr crew. Yeah. Because Columbo found gloves. Mm -hmm. And Columbo kind of set up Danzinger because he said, well, you know, we can't find any gloves. Mm -hmm. And will there be gloves here? So Danzinger gets a glove or gloves, mm -hmm. shoots off his gun, and then puts the glove somewhere where he knows they're going to be found. Mm -hmm. What he doesn't know is that why there aren't fingerprints on the outside of the gun are the gloves. Columbo looks on the inside because I, he, he knows that they're going to be there. And they, they leave, I, apparently, um, according to Frank Columbo, yeah. if you put surgical gloves on, they leave fingerprints on the inside, which I didn't even think and about. And palm prints. And palm prints, yep. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's interesting, huh? Uh, I didn't know that. And we find out that Frank Columbo has been suspecting that it's dancing or since when he came to the hospital and found that feather on the ground. And and when they were um when the um the captain was saying, Well, what about the receipt in um in Lloyd's name? I mean, why would it be there? Mm -hmm. And then he explained that, well, you know, he um what did he say about um Danzinger because he was So there's a couple of different things. Yeah. Uh Columbo also talks to Danzinger's wife and mm -hmm. found out that he went to Las Vegas, which is important yeah. because that's where the receipt is from. Yeah. And it was from the same time that Lloyd was out there with the band. But he doesn't tell Danzinger this. Mm -hmm. He takes him, and this is around the time that he talked to him about his brother-in-law. <laughs> and he shows the receipts that Lloyd had in his room, and he says, these are all for tax-deductible things with yeah. the one exception of this gun. Mm-hmm. Like, why would he have this thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's cool because he's confronting him, like, in a sense, because he's thinking of prosecuting him in his own mind, but he's not doing it like a prosecutor. He's doing it like he wants help, mm -hmm. and he thinks that Danzinger can help him put together the pieces. And the Dramamine saved his life. Yes. Well, and, and then here's something I thought was really clever, too, because I was wondering, well, why wouldn't he want to take the elevator um, yeah, because he hospital because he runs up and down the stairs. Yeah, and 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 he asked, "Well, is it isn't there another way for people to go to the um, you know, to to go upstairs after the band breaks and and then they found that there was a security stairway and of course, Danzinger would know that because uh because he's been on these cruises mm -hmm. and he goes up to the security stairway and that's why he was able to find out. That um, Danzinger is able to get to Rosanna's room um, before she knew that. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> this is your first real exposure to Columbo. I've been hearing some good things about Columbo, but I didn't understand why. Yeah. Um, Peter Falk was really good in this um, episode. Um, it's nice that he was a lot more lighthearted than... Uh, a woman under the, under the influence, and he kind of reminded me of the the guy on Penelope. Yes. Yeah, and and I like him as a detective. Actually, I think he. You're right. I think he uses his um, bumbling, uh, bumbling stuff um, 
as a uh, as a smokescreen to what he's really doing. What do you think of his acting skills now having seen him in a couple of different things? Oh, he's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed, actually. I mean, it would be odd if we saw Columbo's home life and he's this nebbishy detective by day <laughs> and he's this abusive husband <laughs> and father by night. <laughs> no, I would imagine that he's... Um, he's uh, I mean, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. In the in the show. Yeah. I would I would imagine. I mean, I'm hoping that he likes playing Columbo because it's a really good character, actually. He played him for years. Yeah. Well, Over thirty years. Yeah. Um, and again, it's with this thing, it's easy because it's not really a TV show, but in a way, it is because mm-hmm. they made so many of it and they rerun it like a TV show. Yeah. But it's really a TV movie. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like a TV movie to yeah. me. It just felt like a, a cool um, detective case for an hour and a half. Yeah, and that's, I guess, the only way you can make the argument it feels like a TV movie is because it's an hour and a half thing instead yeah. of like an hour yep. drama. Yeah. But I would imagine that um, 70s TV shows like that were run differently, too. Yeah. Yeah. Does this make you want to see more of Columbo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think I would. I, I like this one. Would you recommend Troubled Waters to your family? And if <laughs> yes, so, what would. would you say about it? Well, uh, some of my relatives do like to sail. You know, they like to um, to get on their boat. Not sail, but get on their boat and yeah. uh, catch fish and crabs and stuff. So I think they would like it. And and Peter Falk is really good in this movie. Yeah, and presumably some of them have been married, so they know about having a wife and a brother-in-law. <laughs> but, but I know I know their wives. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're my auntie. Yes. The, no, no, it's it's funny. I just I just uh, there are so many comedic moments. I just just made me <laughs> laugh. Yes. Oh yeah, these Dramamine saved my life. <laughs> The nurse was was, was um that nurse kept get, um telling him to take more dramamine, but yeah. After after you take one, um, you should be fine for a while. Actually, I think she said take one in thirty minutes and then, then take, one, take every one every twenty four hours. Every twenty four hours, yeah. But but even after twenty four hours, actually, yeah, yeah. If you take it for tw- every twenty four hours, you should be okay. Nice, but, nice. But you know, yes. Don't take them twice at the same time because it'll knock you out. <laughs> it did to me. Nice. Don't do that. Well, good. Yeah. So maybe we'll watch some more Columbo in the future there, Little Jay. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And we watch a Mia. We watch a Mia. Tell me about Mia. Um, I'll tell you the episodes that stood out to me. Um I like the one, <clears throat> excuse me. Called um Happy Birthday Lou. Yes. <laughs> that was so funny. <clears throat> yeah, and and um, you know, Mary was trying to keep him there because he did she didn't want to ruin the surprise and she got together a surprise party and Sue Ann wants to intervene and wants to have a theme and and she has this big, big crush on Lou Grant. Mm-hmm. You can tell. Um She's really good on the show. Yes, she is. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> And it was just so funny because Lou's like, I hate surprise parties. I don't know how to be affectionate to anyone, and I don't know how to get a, a receive affection. Mm-hmm. And then he he finally, you know, he finally, you know, decides to let down his guard. Uh, says, "Okay, let everybody in." Yeah. And they get in. There's like 24 people, and they're like, "Yay!" Happy and he birthday. leaves the party. <laughs> he leaves. As tired. Mary's bringing out the cake. <laughs> He's like, uh, I think he said he couldn't say that long. 
That was a funny episode. That was good. And the one episode where Georgia almost becomes a nun. Georgette, I mean. Yes. I love the way it begins because she sees Ted making out with some lady on his couch. And then he comes into the newsroom and he's like, she was an authorized vacuum salesperson. Good air in, bad air out. Because he's talking about giving her CPR yeah. for 10 minutes. Right. But I just love the line, too, is an, uh, an authorized vacuum salesperson. <laughs> and then... And then Georgette wants to become a nun, and so she's supposed to meet uh, Mary at her house with the nun, but the nun comes earlier, and um, I think her name is Sister Anne. She comes earlier, and Ted stops by, and he he, hits on her. he's trying to hit on her, and he's, she's like, I'm a nun. <laughs> so, I do this all the time. You already know where I'm going. Uh-oh. If this had happened in the 90s... It's not that you never saw cheating yeah. with characters on TV shows in the 90s. So yeah. it happened on Cheers with Lilith. And oh, it yeah. also happened on Coach, which I know comes up a lot in the discussion of the Mary Tyler Moore show. When Dauber was dating that one female coach and she mm. cheated on him. Mm. But on Coach, mm-hmm. that lady ends up leaving the show because of it. Oh, really? Yes. And on Cheers, yeah, Lilith comes back, but she leaves for like a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the spinoff, she's the ex-wife. She's the ex-wife. Who's just kind of Frazier. there sporadically. And then, and then she she cheats. She uh, she has an, uh, a thing with Niles. Yeah. At one time, yeah. So if this had happened in the nineties, mm-hmm. or I guess late eighties, we either would have had to find out that there was a miscommunication and Ted wasn't making out with some other lady, or this would have been Ted's farewell to WJM, right? He would have had to have left the station. And I kind of like that he cheated. We know he cheated. And they have to work on their relationship after this. Yeah, and in the 90s, a lot of shows would be like, oh, um... I didn't actually cheat. Yes. And I want to get back together with you. Can you forgive me? Here's what really happened. Here's what really happened. Yeah. Like they would have used the authorized vacuum salesman as like the real thing. Instead of Ted <laughs> making up a lie. Oh, oh. So I like that a lot. Well, I mean, there's some exceptions, of course, for every situation like that. But generally but speaking. But generally speaking. You like, would agree. Yeah. Like especially on family shows, you wouldn't see a lot of like cognac cheating. Yeah. Unless they actually, uh, or you wouldn't see it. Um, you would hear about it, and then somehow it would be resolved. Yes. Yeah. So, interesting, isn't it? I dug that a lot, but that's not my favorite episode, though, from what we saw. I kind of dozed off during this episode, so I'll let you tell the story here. Okay. <clears throat> People socialize within the same industry. And Mary goes on a date with the guy from Channel 8, who is WJM's competition. Ross Nelson. Right. Yeah. That's a good date. And, you know, people know that they're dating. And, you know, in, in, in real life, people associate with the competition. It just yep. happens. Yep, it does. And things get blurry. Yeah. And, again, I'm glad this wasn't in the 90s because it would have been, like, a huge thing when really it's not. Yeah. But the thing that made their relationship a little bit different is she goes to visit the Channel 8 newsroom. Yep. And sees that they have, like, a real staff uh-huh. who are committed to journalism, yeah. unlike where, where C works. Yeah. Like, C tries to call in a news story, 
when Ted and Murray are just kind of like watching TV <laughs> and not doing their jobs in a real way. Yeah, exactly. And the episode is really about how Mary feels embarrassed because she's with a losing team. WJM is not number one in no. the market. Nope. And they're not really that respected compared to Channel 8. Yeah. And when Murray, near the end of the episode, goes in to tell them about a breaking story, Lou kicks the Channel 8 anchor out of the newsroom mm -hmm. and discovers shortly thereafter that the reason Murray knows about the story is because he was watching Channel 8 <laughs> at a restaurant. <laughs> this works on me for so many different levels because I think we've all been in positions before where we thought things were going well mm -hmm. until we visited the quote-unquote competition. Yeah. And saw how well they had it together. And uh -huh. then we felt embarrassed. Uh-huh. And so it's not the funniest episode yeah. we watched the other day. But to me, it's the most real. Huh. I need to go rewatch it again and see how I feel about it. I would recommend that. Because you're yeah. not going to laugh a lot. But I yeah. think it'll respond, You'll it'll resonate with you. Just uh -huh. on a human level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that people actually do go through through that. It's weird. The episodes I really like about the show are not always the funniest ones. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and they can do it. They usually, um, if a show is really good, they can handle drama and um, comedy well. Yeah. Like the one where Lou is kind of separated from his wife and... She, he calls Mary to go to um, this bar with a bunch of the people from work. And yeah. then he's like saying that, oh, women can't think for themselves. And, you know, they're, they're just, basically um, she's there to listen to all this like male chauvinist stuff from Lou. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's interesting that that was in that episode. Um, yeah, it is. And like, well, if I was a woman in that situation, what? how would I handle that? And she decided to leave. Which is really powerful. It is. She's like, okay. Well, and, and Mary isn't exactly the most outspoken person. Like no. She doesn't want to do that. But I like that she does when she needs to do it. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. She kind of reminds you of me sometimes. Oh? She does. Because <laughs> I don't like to confront people all the time, but I know that sometimes I, I have to. Oh? I don't like confronting situations all the time, but I can't hide from it. And I'm like, if Rhoda, Lou, and Gavin McLeod, Murray, mm -hmm. raised a kid together. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm like. Okay. I'm like a combination of all three of them. I, You know why the show works, too? I just love how Murray just uh, pokes fun at Ted so much. And yeah. His, his jokes are sarcastic, but they're just really funny. <laughs> I liked it. It was one of the episodes... Where Ted comes in the the newsroom and he says, all right, Murray, make fun of me. Just find some reason. And Murray's just starting to open his mouth. And Ted responds with a one-liner because he has that book. Yeah. That was funny. Of yeah, one-liners. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then the, um, there was that one episode where um, 
uh, Murray's daughter Bonnie was that was that was on Friday, right? I think so. Murray's daughter Bonnie was um, that might have been yesterday. Okay, well, Mary, oh, yeah, that's right. Mary hires uh, Bonnie to work for them for a while for her first job. Yeah, and she gets a lot of things wrong. I didn't really dig the way that episode ended no, with Murray uh, wanting to fight Lou. I didn't buy that. I didn't either because it's not like Lou just. Dis- screamed at her nonstop for 10 minutes. Yeah, it would I mean, I think it would have been even interesting, more interesting if he says, no, Bonnie, I'm not going to do this for you anymore. Yeah. I want you to do this yourself. Exactly. Now, I'll say this, because Betty White's in the show. There was an episode on the Golden Girls where Betty White's um, sister comes to visit, and she's going blind. We talked about this before. I know, I know. But... The reason why I bring it up is because there's one scene that um where she is asking um Betty White's character Rose, could you please help me get to the I forgot what it was, the couch or something? And yeah. she's like, Well, you know, Lily, you've been here for a week. You know where it is. And um and I like that she didn't just help her. She said, you know, you need to go to the blind school because you're going blind and you need to live as a blind person and you're going to be better off for it. Yep. And Lily just wanted Rose to take her home, uh, to take Rose home with her so that she could be her um, around the clock uh, aide. Wow. And Rose wasn't going to do that. And I like that about the show that, that she didn't just coddle her and say, Oh, let me help you to the couch. Did she make baked pears Alicia for her though? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and a VL Prince. Yeah, VL Prince, you might die if you leave it too long. VL Prince, yeah. (laughs) And the salad? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is really good salad. Thank you. (laughs) And and, and, and a chocolate souffle? Yeah. (laughs) In that episode with Lou's party, she comes over and says, we need a theme for this. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. Yes. Yeah. She's good on the show there, Little Jubal. Yeah, I'm excited. on the show there. I'm excited to see more Suan episodes. I think she's, gr- she's a great addition. And it's going to be a mixed thing because it's probably going to coincide with Rhoda leaving. I know. But then she got her own show that we're going to watch after this. That's right. Yes. So Rhoda's not going to be uh, far too far from us. She's out of our lives, but she's in our hearts. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And she doesn't smoke weed. We talked about that yesterday. Oh, we did. Okay. Good. Yes, we did. Nice, nice. Yes. But she seems like a nice lady. I mean, I've I've seen a couple of interviews with her, and um, she, she does seem really cool. She seems really nice. Yeah. yeah, I saw a clip of her the other day talking about Cloris Leachman. Really, and how they used to have lunch together in the seventies. Really, Cloris would talk because at the time, I. If I remember correctly, Valerie Harper didn't have any biological children, mm-hmm. but she adopted a daughter in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. So at the time, but at the time, she didn't have any kids, but she said that Cloris Leachman would always talk to her about parenting and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Did they get along? Um, did they get along pretty well? That's the implication I got. Did you talk about um, getting along with uh, Mary Tyler Moore? Well, so you never know how much of this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. But from interviews with Valerie Harper, I get the sense that they all got along fairly well. 
Including her relationship with Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, because I know in the show, um, Rhoda and Phyllis have this, like... Rivalry, kind of. Rivalry, right? It's just hilarious to watch. But, um, well, that's cool. I I, I hope that that was true. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yes, yes. And maybe Rhoda will end up with Frank Colombo. Oh, my goodness. Or Phyllis will. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, you like to intermingle the shows together, right? Why not? Why not? <laughs> that would be funny, though. A, a Columbo uh, Rota episode? A Columbo <laughs> slash Woman Under the Influence episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. So let me give you the premise. <laughs> From the WJM Newsroom. I'm Chid Baxter. Right. And, you know, Mary's just watching these stories. She goes home and Rhoda's there saying that she met a terrific guy. And that he's a detective, but he's, you know, visiting out here because uh, he's going to move out soon, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's excited. So they invite Columbo over for dinner. And he's, like, doing things. He's accidentally knocking over, like, the silverware with his elbows <laughs> and stuff like that. But he's a nice guy. Right. And Rhoda's still really into him. And then she finds out that he has a wife and kids. But... How she finds that out is she's watching TV one night and here's a story. She's watching Channel 8. Mm-hmm. Because why would she watch WGM? <laughs> so for a good laugh. I, I love that scene in the episode with Channel 8. You probably didn't catch it. Where Rhoda tells the anchor that she watches him every night and she's naming off all these news stories. <laughs> so you can tell that she's really in it. But anyways, she's watching Channel 8. Mm-hmm. And here's a story about a man who killed his wife and his three kids. Mm -hmm. And then they show the picture and they say he's a former detective, Detective Frank Columbo. (laughs) And she sees Peter Falk as Columbo, who's now been taken to prison. (laughs) And she gets so embarrassed that she leaves Minneapolis and goes back to New York and starts the Rona show. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Thank you. I do what I can, they a little jail. Well, that's funny. I had to say it's pretty good. Thank you. I do what I can. <laughs> Bub. What? I don't laugh like that. All right, you... then give me a kiss. Why? Because you need one. Me okay. <laughs> So after Mia, <laughs> we kind of did our thing. And eventually, watch some films. Yes. After we had a really, really good dinner. Yes. Of Kahlua pig and mashed potatoes and carrots. Well, the carrots were we that we did have. Because a fair amount of liquid smoke got on some of them, so I threw them out. And I didn't realize how much until you told me. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. It did not taste good. It probably would have tasted yes. okay with just a little bit. Yeah. But this is more than a little bit. But we know now. We know now, and uh, and, and um, otherwise the pork turned out super good. What did you think of the mashed potatoes? It's delicious. We use most of them. We sell some Yukon Golds. Yes, we do. Um, we'll have to figure that out. I think we we used all the russets. Yes, we could possibly. I'm thinking roasted chicken next Friday. Mm. Get some more carrots, maybe some celery and an onion. Hmm. Uh, yeah, well, we can think about that. Yeah. We could also do an oven fried chicken. We could do something like that. Yeah. We'll figure I out. haven't done an oven fried chicken in a long time. Nice. But that's uh for another day. Yes. Um, we watched, so we decided to watch the David Bowie documentary 
And the last was, five years, let's call it. The last five years. Yes. It was really good. Talk about it. So basically, it was focusing more on David Bowie's last five years. They showed clips of him with his uh, reality tour from 2003 to 2004, which I didn't realize that's when it was. But um, a lot of the people that were working with him said, we've never seen him this way. He's so happy. He's energetic. The crowd's loving him. And was it during this tour that he started getting sick? They said that he had a heart attack on the tour. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it ended early. Mm -hmm. But as far as him getting cancer, we don't really know when that happened. Only yeah. that when it picked up for the last five years, he was going through some stuff. He was. Yeah. He, um, he, it took him, um, he, he took a seven year, a seven year hiatus and came back to the studio in 2011. So from 2004 to 2011, but they noticed that he was a little bit more mellow. Yeah. Um, he was still, I mean, he still sang from his heart, but you could tell that he was reflective. I mean, he did a song called, um, I'm trying to remember now. Um, what is it called? Where Where We Are Now? I Something think like that. Uh, it sounds like a really good song, and I think it was made into an album. Oh. Uh, I think it's called Where We Are Now, and it sounded very reflective, and they were saying that a lot of his songs were very bio, um, autobiographical. He um, During that time, he moved out of the place where he was uh, living at because when he was younger he was involved into a lot in in a lot of drugs and sexual experimentation at this time i believe he was still married to iman yes but mm -hmm. i don't think she's in the documentary no she's not yeah but it but it was really funny like one of the people that was talking um she told him that oh you you look really great in that suit and his comment was I'm I'm happily married. So she yeah. he thought that she was hitting on him. Nice. <laughs> and she thought it was really funny that he said that. Well, and they say too a couple of times in the documentary that one of the things we don't really know about David Bowie is fans. Mm -hmm. And you and I are more casual listeners. Yeah. Like we enjoy his music, but he's not our end all be all. Yeah, we're not fans. Yeah. Yeah. But they said that uh, the thing that people really don't know outside of his inner circle is that he was apparently a really, really, really funny guy. Yep. And, and we saw clips of him just laughing. Yeah. And he wasn't all serious. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of things. I mean, I remember um, years ago when I got a... Uh, it was a, a clip of him reading uh, Peter and the Wolf with mm -hmm. an orchestra. And he was a great narrator, actually, and and I I wonder I kind of wonder what he did for um for children as far as children's audio or uh, children's um, entertainment. That's a good question. It's also easy to forget how many hits he had. Yeah. Around the same time we were dealing, and I mean me and my buddies, we're dealing with the fake blind chicks. Yeah. The buddy of mine who had heard, one of my buddies in the situation, the one who I was at the restaurant with and said that he had heard that the one girl was actually excited. Mm -hmm. I went back to his place and he played me David Bowie's greatest hits. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of hits. Yeah. That you just don't always associate with him. 
Yeah, and I didn't yeah. know about the Ziggy Stardust thing until I learned about it. I know that um, his, that was his alter ego. Mm-hmm. And I think when he sang songs like Starman and Life on Mars, he was going through his Ziggy Stardust phase. I believe so. And Starman, so I have a little bit of a connection with the song Starman because when I was at a community college a few years ago, I had to analyze the chords of Starman mm. for one of my classes. I thought that's kind of cool. And then I was in this um, band performance workshop class, and one of the songs that we were working on for our concert was Life on Mars. Nice. And uh, except we were playing it in, this, in a different key, and it was, it was a great song to play. Very interesting, man. And it was sad that he was dying, but kind of cool that he was still making art. Oh, I have to mention one thing that we forgot to talk about. Go ahead. He wanted to make a musical. He did. And he did make a musical. Um, what was it called? Do you remember? I don't, but they used a lot of his old songs, and it was kind of based off of his character in Labyrinth, if I remember right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and um, there was a clip of a young lady that was singing uh, Life on Mars, and I was like, that's kind of cool. I forgot what it was called. Um, that That's going to drive me nuts. Yeah. But again, I really liked his commitment to the artistic process because even when he knew he was dying he was still making music videos still recording music working on a play the guy who did the play he said two things that i thought were interesting Mm. so when they started working on him on it david bowie told him that listen i have cancer Mm. and as a result, I'm not going to be around as much as you would maybe like me to be, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to be involved with the project. Mm-hmm. But he said that David Bowie was still around almost all the time. And by the time the play had opened, Bowie was pretty far gone in his cancer. Pretty sick, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I we didn't think he was going to show up, but he did show up to opening nights. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, he said... Maybe we should start thinking about doing another show together. Mm. And obviously that didn't come to be. But I really admire artists who are that committed. Yeah, they show up when they show up even though they don't think they're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And they're always looking forward. They're not looking back. Um, It's um, I thought I didn't realize that he died. I knew that he died close to his birthday, yeah. but I didn't realize that he died three days after his 69th birthday. Yep. And he shot his last music video the week that the doctors told him there's nothing else we can do as far as treatment goes. Yeah. Was that the same video where he asked somebody, hey, um, I just want it to be like, I don't want it to be so extravagant. I think that was a little bit earlier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that, I... I heavily admire stuff like that because it makes me think of what I could be doing. Yep. And it also makes me reminisce about things like the artist's way or the war of art. Yeah. So what can we learn about being committed to what you do from David Bowie? Well, I learned about fame in this documentary Mm. that fame doesn't seem like it's all it's cracked up to be because I know I'm paraphrasing what the guy said. Sure. Basically he said, you know, Winning, you know, getting tickets to go to a show and getting backstage passes are great, but uh, the rest of it's pain. And um, I think he realized that fame is fleeting and it's not going to last forever. And 
and maybe he realized that, well, I, I would be a very different person if I wasn't famous. Right. Like Robin Williams was famous. Yeah. And beloved. It wasn't like he was an OJ person. No. People loved Robin Williams. Uh-huh. And he still ended up killing himself. Yeah. So I think it's who you are. Some people probably react better to it than others. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the best thing for people. Yeah. And I imagine it messes with your ego. Even if you're somebody who stays famous and relevant for most of your life. Uh Like, let's take McCarthy. McCartney? McCartney, yeah. Paul McCartney is such a famous dude that A-list celebrities are freaked out by meeting him. Yep. Right? But that's got to do something weird to his ego. Yeah, like like having your name be a household name. Like yeah. Even if you were famous for a cleaning project, a product. Yep. Or uh, or somebody who makes um, I don't know, like frostings, mm-hmm. or or somebody where, or somebody who has owned um, coffee shops or ice cream shops that people like to go to. That's got to really mess with you. <laughs> yeah. And what's that like for McCartney mm-hmm. when he goes to the White House to meet a new president and they gush over him? Yeah, I mean... He, That's got to be such a weird thing. I mean, he's now called Sir Paul McCartney. Yes. I mean, sir... I mean, I, I think that uh, when Queen, Queen Elizabeth was alive, he would, um, you know, um, give people um, uh, the honorary knight thing, the knighthood. right? The knighthood. By the way, he got knighted with the Beatles in the 60s, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so he's been to Sir for a while. Yeah. And obviously, he's the most extreme example. Mm-hmm. But that's got to do something weird to your ego. And then most celebrities aren't Paul McCarthy. They McCartney. Go th- McCartney. Yeah. They go through ups and downs. And I know he does too. Yeah. But meaning to where they're not as famous as they used to be. Yeah. And then that's got to be weird. Like, I was so beloved and then now I'm just not. I keep thinking about this, like, a lot. When a person, when a famous person gets married, right, to mm-hmm. someone who isn't so famous, I wonder how it is when they're dating each other or when they're first meeting each other and they're attracted to each other. Like, is he thinking, oh, is she going to use me for my money, my fame, my fortune? And it, the same thing with a woman. Yeah. Is he going to use me for my fame or fortune? Or are they going to be like, I don't care if you're a celebrity. I still love you. I always wonder about that. And each situation is obviously going to be different, mm-hmm. right? So it's weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very strange. Or or finding out that you were best friends with a celebrity before they became a celebrity. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always wondered that, how that could happen, how that happens when celebrities marry people that are not famous. Absolutely. I, I always wonder that. Yes. But um, having said that, I'm really not, um, I don't have any aspirations of being famous. I do want to be a good artist. Um, I want to continue to be in the arts. Nice. And I want to enjoy it. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, looking forward to this flute choir thing. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about it, as you can hear in my voice. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm super excited. I loved it when I was in college, and uh, I'm just excited to uh, maybe get back into performing again and possibly find a teacher. 
There we go there, little Jimbo. Getting back there. into the flute wood. There we go there. And the ballet thing, as we yes. will end up talking about. Uh, at some point. At some point, yeah. There we go there, little Jimbo. Yeah. So it sounds like you would recommend this movie to your family. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like this documentary. I think it's 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 sad to hear when an artist like that is starting to dwindle away. Mm-hmm. But as... As everything else, things end up breaking down and dying. So eventually, he was going to go. I just, um, you know, I, I I felt for the people who had to witness his um, sicknesses like that. What do you say to your family to convince them to watch this? Uh, I don't know that I have to say anything, really. I mean, a lot of them, like, I don't know how big of a David Bowie fan they are, but I would imagine that. You know, they listen to his stuff, but nice. I don't think they're like super fans or anything. Well, good. I think they would like it. I'm happy to hear that. That's it. I didn't know I was going to say that. You do all the time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, babes. Yeah. After watching David Bowie the last five years, mm-hmm. you and I watched a film from Britain. Mm-hmm. Came out in the 60s. 1964. Called Seance in the Afternoon. Is it Seance on a Wet Afternoon? Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. It's something like that. It has to do with the seance. We'll put it in the notes. Okay. It is a very strange movie. I'll give I'll give the premise because it's very strange. Go ahead. So there's a couple, there's a, a British couple um named Billy and Mara um, Savage. I don't know. Yeah. Billy and Mara Savage. And Mara, you find out pretty quickly that she wears the pants in the relationship. She's very manipulative. She uses her ability to get her husband, Billy, to do things for her. Um. And it's also, um, you find out that they lose a son named Arthur, but you don't know much about the situation. You know that they lose a son named Arthur. And it's implied that Arthur was older than he actually was when he died. Right. But we'll get to that when we get and there. And his room is is there with clothes in it, mm-hmm. and they haven't used it. They haven't opened it. They haven't had anybody sleep in that bed. Well, she has this idea that, oh, why don't we kidnap a child? And we're going to keep this child for a while, but I'm going to use my psychic abilities as a medium to help the parents find their child. And Billy, you can tell that Billy's really not into this. Yeah. But he ends up kidnapping this little girl anyway, Amanda, just out of nowhere. I think it's from a school, right? Yes. She was getting off from school and her parents have money. Yeah. He goes up to the driver and says, they want you in the principal's office, I think. You got a phone call. Then he hops into the vehicle and takes off. Yep. With Amanda in the back seat. Yep. And she doesn't know what's going on. She locks the door. And he's like, could you please open the door? Please open the door. And and he said, look, look, I'm I'm sorry, but this is this is all a game. Don't worry. I won't hurt you. And I'm thinking, I wonder what this guy's thinking like. I have to do this or my wife will kill me. Yeah, because he's not a professional criminal. No. And he says that in the film. Yeah. But keep going. So he takes her to the house 
It's implied that they give her drugs so that she sleeps. Mm -hmm. And she's in bed and they don't they don't have her sit at the table. They have her eating in bed. Because they want her to think that she's in the hospital and yep. that she has some rare disease. They um Mrs. Savage, Mar Mara Savage convinces her um Amanda that she's a nurse and she's in the hospital and she's got German measles. Actually, double German measles, oh, which is oh. worse than German measles. Nice. I don't even know what that is. But she is and this little girl is really smart. I I think she probably may have thought, well, this is really strange. Mm, she's not that smart. I mean she's you know what I mean? Because there's a couple of times where she could have gotten away. That's true. And she just kind of stays there. But she's like probably like five, right? I thought she was like maybe ten. I don't know. I, I don't know. She was younger than that. Anyway. You might be right. I think she's younger than that. She might at least be seven. Anyway. But she's kind of, you know, feeling weird and she's thinking, hmm, I don't know what's going on. She um, she notices that Nurse Savage has a thing over her face and she's like, well, the thing I have on my face is there because I don't want to get your measles. And so, so they keep her there. Um, the... Uh, uh, Oh, go add, go add some more. Um, now, because Mrs. Savage is really more interested in the fame than the money, mm -hmm. she goes to see Amanda's parents and starts this narrative that she had a dream and is basically talking about Amanda's friend Caroline, who she knows about because Amanda brought her up, yep. and this stuffed animal that she has with her, right? Yep. The dad thinks something fishy is going on, but yep. the mom is kind of into this idea. Yeah, the dad's like, I'm sorry uh, that, you know, I'm being rude, but yeah. what what is your motive for this? I bet it's for the money. Now, meanwhile, things are starting to come to a head between Mrs. Savage and her husband. Yep. Because, again, he's not a criminal. Yep. He doesn't like that the plans are starting to change a little bit. And at one point, the police come by their residence just to check things out. They pretend not to be home. But it kind of upsets him. Yeah. Rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Now he has to fake like he's this big-time criminal yeah. and get the money from the dad, which he does. Yeah. But you can tell that he doesn't enjoy this process. No. At one point, Amanda's mom comes over. They do a seance. And afterwards, what's the uh, medium's name again? Or thick medium? Uh, Mrs. Savage. Mrs. Savage. Mrs. Savage, yeah. Does she have a first name? Mara. Mara says, oh, I think we should kill the little girl. Well, so yeah, because, Arthur has because, somebody to hang out with. Because Arthur uh, came to me and said that it, it's, it, would, it would be best if she goes to him. And then the, the husband just Thinks loses it and says, no, you're the one who said it. Arthur didn't even exist. He was born still dead. Born. He was still born. Yep. And she's like, no, no, he, he, it's true. He does come to me and she doesn't want to, she wants to, to hold on to the lie that Arthur actually does come to her. Yeah. Which obviously could not have happened. Um, so they have their meeting, the police show up and the, and the, the guy was like, oh yeah, I'm a part of the, um, the psychic society. And by now. <laughs> The husband had left Amanda out in the woods, but yeah. near where some Boy Scouts are out. So uh, that she can campers. be there. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And he's like, I'm a part of the Psychic Society, and I believe in this stuff. And can we do a seance right now? 
and and during the seance, she's repeating things like, "Why is all? Why are? Why is there this all the shouting?" Because Amanda said that. Mm-hmm. Why is there all the shouting? And then she's like, "Come on, Arthur!" It, or, or I'm not Arthur, but she's she's talking as if she's talking to a child. Come yeah. on now, it's tea time. We have to go downstairs. And then she's saying things like, "Why is there all this shouting?" And then she's like, "No, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that." This this is true. He does come to me. And then she kept saying, wait, 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 wait. And she's repeating it. And, and I'm thinking, I wonder if they think that she's nuts. Yeah. But what it really is, they think that she's guilty. Yeah. And um, and then the police officer says, do you have the money, Mr. Savage? Yep. And they said, and he said it's in the, was it the trunk? Or in the shed, something like that. In the like shed, that. yeah. And then... At the end, she looks at her husband and says, "Do I did I do it right, Billy?" Yes, and the movie ends. And and you think that Amanda actually made it back home? That's my theory: is that the husband didn't kill her; he left her there to be found alive. Um, and also too, he doesn't really want to kill this girl, mm-hmm. right? For many different reasons. One, I don't think the idea of killing a child is that appealing to him. Mm-hmm. And two, he knows that there's a difference between being arrested for kidnapping and being arrested for killing. Yeah, I also think, because remember in the beginning of the movie, he tells her, you have to tell her that you're that she's going home soon. Yeah. She has to know that because he's thinking too, oh, this girl must be really, really scared. Yeah. And her parents are scared because they don't know where she is and... I can only imagine them being um, really, really worried, uh, worried and, and wondering where she is. And so I think he felt more um, compassion compassion for the girl. Thank you. I think I think he felt more compassion for the girl than um, doing whatever his wife wanted because she didn't care about anybody. Yeah. She only cared about the fame and that she wanted to manipulate her husband to get her some nice things. There's a lot of things about this movie that I like. Yeah. I think the premise is really unique. It is. And I love the premise. Yeah. And I love the arguments between the savages. Mm-hmm. In some ways, their arguments kind of reminded me of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except uh, Virginia Woolf is crazier, I think. I don't know about that. You don't think so? I mean, they made up a fake son in the movie. Or didn't their yeah. son die too? Or was he never real? Um, I don't remember. I don't even remember now. I know that um I know that one of the ladies, a younger lady, had an abortion. Yeah. But I think Elizabeth Taylor's son also died in that movie okay. earlier on. And they were just pretending like he was still around. Okay. There's a lot of I mean, and she was drinking a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know if I could fully recommend this movie though there are a few things that don't add up to me mm-hmm. i thought it was a little bit too predictable yeah that the mom comes there and mm-hmm. we hear amanda starting to say mommy yeah and they and they don't do anything they don't do anything yeah because i'm thinking why why are they not doing anything when this child is calling for their mommy right i we see Amanda's opportunities to escape. So Mr. Savage gets into the car and has trouble starting it up. Mm-hmm. Then he stops someplace. 
Then he's trying to get back in the car. She locks the doors. He gets mm-hmm. back in, but here's some kids mm-hmm. and goes to talk to them for a minute and comes back and she's still there. I know. I didn't like that. They yeah. If they didn't have that part in the movie, I probably would have liked it a lot more. Yeah, I know. I just, I didn't get that part because she could have easily run away. Yeah. And I didn't get, if the police thought that she was guilty, why not just arrest them as soon as they get to the house instead of going through this fake seance thing? Yeah. I mean, and it's implied that she was already drugged by at least one of them. Yeah. Well, she was, but what I'm saying is, why didn't the police just arrest them? I know. Yeah. Or at least her. Exactly. Because she was the mastermind behind this whole uh, scheme. But he still kidnapped her, too. Yeah. She, he was an accomplice. Mm-hmm. Even if he didn't want to do it, he did it because of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, the, the acting was good. The acting was really good, and there were elements that I enjoyed, so I'd probably give this movie a seven. Yeah, i give it a seven. Would you recommend this to your family? I, Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, a lot of the British movies we've seen were pretty good. It's, yeah. I mean, there was some that didn't really make, like, it was hard to follow. Like, the Red Shoes. Yeah. It was kind of hard to follow. But a lot of the British um, movies were that we saw were really good, like Brief Encounters mm-hmm. and uh, um, Shadows on the Stars is really good. Yes. Enjoyed that one. Yes. Um, yeah. They, they're, they're, I, I, I enjoyed parts of it, but I don't know if I would. That's fair. Well, good, babes. Well, and then they, I mean, here, and then the question is, right, it, it's hard to think that a woman could be that manipulative, but she was. I don't know. I, I could believe that. Yeah. But so manipulative that she would destroy um, a family's uh, life. Yes. That she would rip a family apart just to get the fame. Interesting stuff there, babes. Yeah. Yes. That's, and I still think psychics are frauds. I do too. <laughs> Major, major frauds. Miss Khalil. Put it to you this way. There might be somebody out there who can communicate with the dead or tell the future, but they're probably not advertising on TV and they probably want to keep somewhat of a low profile about that type of thing. Yes. 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 Well, good, babes. Yes. Well, babes. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I didn't have any dreams. I was really exhausted, though. Nice. I mean, I was I was sleeping by the time it was uh, eleven o'clock. Nice. I was I was out. Yeah, you were really out. Yeah. Uh, did you have a good sleep? I did. Yeah. No but dreams. No dreams that I remember. Yeah. By the time I woke up, my little J Will was already wa- waiting to talk to me there. <laughs> um. Yeah, we had some good food. I bought a pa. Yep. And it was pretty good. It was. And uh, I'm just I'm just really glad that our uh, both of our meals turned out really good. I am too. Yeah. Yes. We gotta make up again now. Blood. Sounds like a plan there, J Wall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well good, babes. That'd be good. Maybe we should kiss and wrap it up. And oh. you can pack some candy and kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you to leave nicely. Nice. <laughs> Sir, could you please go away? Go <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. There we go. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, bye. Bye bye for now. Bye bye. Bye bye.